Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another fine episode of the Knife Talk Podcast. My name is Marco Malmasi. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. And I'm also here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and the Full Floss full blast podcast boom Boom. we can't be promoting that shit on this show (laughs) hey i almost introduced myself as the lollipop king and you guys as tweedle d and tweedle (laughs) all right there you go that's it this is the podcast where we talk knives we answer questions we make fun of each other we have a good time so let's start with the last week what have you guys been up to let's start with uh jeff I don't know if you want to start with me. It's a okay. Bit we'll start it with a little, it, it gets a little <laughs> fucking intense towards yesterday. So okay, okay. Uh, my week it's it's been busy. It's been really nice actually. So um, finishing uh, a bunch of steak knives um, that I've been working on for the last sort of two three weeks, um, and I'm now on table knives for restaurants. It just seems that everybody's opening back up again now, and people are spend restaurants are spending money. So um, yeah, I've got loads of orders of table knives. Um, so I'm, I'm working on them, uh, that, you know, they're, they're, uh, laser jet cut out. So I'm doing the heat trees and the grinding and so on and, and handling. Um, and it's just, it's just really nice again to be working on big batches of things, which is sort of my, my favorite thing to do, I suppose. But it's, yeah, it's just nice to, you know, hear that restaurants are back in business and they're, you know, they're looking forward to a future now, which I think even just, just maybe two, three weeks ago. That didn't seem like as if it was going to be happening for a long time. It just seems, I think, particularly the last two weeks, and again, particularly in the UK, restaurants are sort of getting the green light and they're starting to open up. And um, it's it's good to see. There's a bit of a buzz about about the industry again, which is really nice to see. Buzz. Okay, I've had enough buzz. I, I'm surprised that uh, I'm surprised it's not this. That's not the case here in in the United States, it, at least not. in the Northeast. It's not the case at all. They're, they're still doing uh, outdoors dining and. Uh, they're building, you know, they're getting, you know, the cities are smart and they're giving uh, restaurants who don't normally have outdoor dining permission to use the sidewalks and parking spaces. Yeah. To but yeah, of... that's happening in the UK too. Yeah. But it's like, well. it's still, it's hard to, and it's, 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 it's hard to get people to go out to restaurants down in New York. But I, I did see in Peekskill, there were some, in my, in the town I was in, the, I did see some people in the outdoor seating and wasn't as packed you know the the summers are super important uh around here not necessarily in new york city but 
the summers are really important because the falls the fall isn't what it used to be in the restaurant business and the, mm-hmm. the winter isn't as what it used to be and once you get to january from january to march it's it's a train wreck so it's yeah they really got to like haul ass in order to make it happen but it, it sounds to me like for your customers i mean they're trying to open up as um as strong as they can which is smart you know yeah well i mean the two big orders that i've had they're from chefs who own sort of multiple not chains but you know multiple restaurants right and one of them particularly you know they had three restaurants and they've they've closed one indefinitely doesn't look as if it's going to be opening again Hmm. um so they're putting all the resources into into what they have left um you know and they and they're looking to the future you know they 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 placed quite a large order and it's yeah it's encouraging to see um for you know for knife makers like myself who who make for restaurants right uh, and and just as you know on the wider scale of things that restaurants you know they're obviously looking looking forward now um and it's not all doom and gloom so you know certainly for some restaurants anyway i know some are still going to be struggling it's going to be really difficult times but I don't know. It seems if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even though we're seeing you know numbers going up, and you know again, when this is this isn't the the, the COVID podcast, but um, we can talk that's about what our I've lives. Been up to this week, we I've, can been talk making, about our I've been making table knives. Well, it's funny that so, if it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of times when you think about the New York City area, the New York City area is changing because people are now starting to move out, and they're the uh, realtors that I've talked to. Are saying outside of New York in suburban areas, suburban areas, the real estate is as hot as you can get. People want out of the city, so it's going to change the fabric of the restaurant industry because there's not going to be as many people living in New York. They don't want to be mm-hmm. in tight situations anymore. So people are able to tell a commuter, people are able to take the you know whatever, figure out ways in which they're not as packed in as possible. So it's going to change the way people see how restaurants are going to be. Like fine dining is going to change completely. So I don't know if it's happening there in the US as well, but a lot of sort of high end restaurants here, they're now doing sort of food at home. What they, yeah. What they call sure. it, you know? So, you know, they're doing their, their full menu, but um, it'll be in sort of takeaway boxes to, to, to pick out, which is the prices don't change. Thought? The prices don't change. The prices don't change. You still have to pay the, the white <laughs> yeah. glove service for like, yeah. you know, in your, you know, figuring out. I saw do your own dishes. Jean George. Jean George did a video on how you plate his like takeaway dinner. I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe anyone's gonna. I can't believe, or you know, all these guys are doing these like elaborate the takeaway box, and they're plate. Yeah. This is how you plate it. And warm it up like this, and get your torch out, and you know, it's like, come on, yeah, man, that's can the I just stuff have I've some? Seen. Yeah, it's just like get the fuck out of here. Are you gonna charge me fifty bucks for this bullshit? Get out of here. Yeah. Figure something else out. Make some sloppy joes or something. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and what else? I mean, life-wise, um, I oh, I made a um, a little video which I put on Instagram. So I had a lot of stick for the packaging that I I put up pictures of the other week, and everybody's just saying it's just basically an Apple ripoff. And I was like, yeah, I I you know straight up admitted that I've ripped off the Apple packaging for my knives. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'm gonna make a little video for the table knives that I've got I've got that I'm working on at the moment. And basically I just wanted to play with my new camera and see what I could do. And um so I just ripped off an Apple ad, like completely. <laughs> so they, it's just like a it's like an Apple ad for for knives. Um and I really enjoyed doing it. I had lots of really good feedback from people. So yeah, so that was fun. Um we've got visitors over here again this week, so Amy's mum is over now. Um 
she's bought she's bought a house over here in France too, and they, they signed for the house in about two weeks. So they're over now, waiting waiting for the the go ahead, so they can they can move into this new house. Hmm. My sister was over last week, and she bought a house over here as well. Oh wow! So we've come over here to escape from everybody, to yeah. escape from family, and they're all slowly coming over and buying houses. So, yeah. so question for you in, in regards to that. Is the because I remember you know months and months and months ago you were saying how Brexit was going to affect you guys living abroad. Yes. So how is that going to? How is that now? <laughs> People are still not sure. Basically, um, we're we're leaving in in January. I mean, we've left the, the EU anyway, but we're in this transition period at the moment. Um, and the way things stand at the moment is that um, after. I think that the 31st of December now coming up, um, I'll need to apply for residency each year. So we, you know, we need to show my taxes, we need to show they're not a drain on the country and so on. Um, and we need to apply for res- residency every year. But, you know, who's to say that, they, you know, we could be turned down for whatever reason? Um, so that's the way things stand at the moment. And again, for any el- anybody else buying a house over here. But my view is... I mean, where we are and all these sort of remote places in, in you know, we're, we're miles away from Paris and the big cities. So all these remote villages, they're basically kept alive by by the Brits coming over here buying houses. If, if they didn't, there'd be no, you know, the economy would just be in massive failure here because they're the ones spending the money. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be like a reciprocal agreement between the UK and France that, you know, things will carry on as right. they are. And that's what people are thinking. But at the moment, house prices have just plummeted because, you know, right. Brits weren't buying houses. So hence <laughs> my mother-in-law and my sister buying houses just because they've gone so cheap. Just all on all on the hope that there's going to be some sort of deal struck. Um, otherwise, they'll be coming over here as tourists. And I think I think it'll be sort of, you'll be allowed up to three months a year to, to live here if you're not a resident. Um, so, you know, as a holiday home in the summer, I suppose it would work anyway. Um, but yes, yeah, this massive uncertainty, but yeah, something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. And like everything else on the agenda, you know, politically, it's all been pushed to the back burner because we're, we're dealing with something else at the right. moment. So, you know, it may even be pushed back another year before they need to make a decision. But, um, so in the meantime, under the, under the, uh, auspices of pandemic, the Lockwoods are taking over. <laughs> uh yeah well but, but but we're moving too so we're moving away from everything so everybody's decided they're gonna come over, <laughs> come over here and we're like actually we're gonna be moving like another half an hour further away were they pissed um a little amy was very scared <laughs> to tell her mum. she was like what am i gonna tell her mom? she's buying this house now so she can be close to see her grand grandkids oh. grow up and we're like yep yeah, we're off oh but man no, they must just, be they must be it's pissed. not that far <laughs> it's not that far so they're all not trying to buy in, in the same village that you're currently in in this facility, within sort of 20 minutes of us where we currently are, yes, yeah. I see. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we're moving out. Yeah, about It's going to be uh, at least two years before we move out, to be honest with you. A lot of work needs to be done on the new house. And the whole idea is we can get the work done whilst we're not living in the mess, you know. So, you know, we've had three years now living in a building site. So that's coming to an end here. So what we do want to do is jump to another house and for that to happen. So we'll stay here. Whilst the work is being done on on the new house, and when mm. it's done, we'll then sort of move across. When I moved my mom, she said to me, "She's much closer to us." She said, "You're not planning on moving anytime soon." And I said, "I'm just waiting for you to sign the lease first. <laughs> 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 you're stuck." Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, what about you guys? Uh, Maraca, what, what's your week been like? Oh, just so much fun. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> no, uh, let's see. Uh, I finally nailed a really nice black finish on uh, this this Bowie chef-style knife that I'm working on. And um, the, the sheath that I had made for it, I'm, I'm so glad that the leather guy is in town with me. Um, he's a great guy and he does really quality work. Like I said, uh, I think maybe last week he, um, he makes high end saddles and something I didn't really take into account is the fact that, uh, high end saddle saddles use a lot of, um, hardware, like actual, like rivets and stuff like that. And you mm. see rivets and sheaths and stuff, but that's what he knows. And so when it came to assembling everything, instead of stitching, he was using rivets, um, which, and on first blush seemed like a really good idea, but then um, <laughs> after I nailed this finish, after way too long of trying to get it right, um, I put the knife into the sheath to take a look at it to see how like everything flowed from the sheath into the blade while the blade was mm -hmm. in the sheath and blah, 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 and pull the knife back out. And there are brass rivet scuffs on the blade surface. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck. <laughs> and at first for half a second i was like that son of a bitch but then i was like then i turned it on myself because realistically i should have checked that long before mm -hmm. it um before i got a good finish on the blade and i it just it never even crossed my mind it didn't even cross my mind um so f i i I, sh uh... I sent the sheath maker a quick video and fortunately he uh like I said, he's he's not far, and so he's he came and picked it up, and um, he he took it. He's doing work. To, he actually like cut. He's cutting the stitches and taking it apart and addressing the rivets, and uh, he's he's either gonna set them deeper down or he's actually just gonna lay on a whole like glue on a whole another piece of leather, which to me would be yeah. ideal. That covers up because there's like four. I think there's like four rivets on the back side of the sheath that would be against the body and so mm. and that way he doesn't have to address the welt which is kind of like uh the, the thickness of the of the opening for the sheath uh he just lays it back on there and stitches it back together and, and he'll have to do some finishing work to get it like around the edges looking nice and clean and everything but uh that would that would definitely help keep those rivets from coming into contact with the blade. But I don't know what exactly he's working on. And this has all been a bit of a long process. And so I'm, I might be looking into maybe making my own sheath next time around for something like this. Wow. Um, that is a but, tough Well, funnily one. enough, well, as soon as we finish here today, I'm making um, Kydex sheaths. Uh, and I've been messing around for the last sort of two or three weeks of of getting a way to put a clip on, um, like a belt clip, without having to do you know too much extra stuff, making it as simple as possible, mm. and um, and that's that's for the same reason you know you you don't want any of the uh, the scuffing of the blade and so on. But um, I think I think I've got a way. You mean like clip that like clips on and puts in your puts like a belt in... clip, Bas like a belt oh. clip basically, yeah, for a like a camp knife. So what are you gonna do? Um, tech locks, yeah, um, and just rivets on the one side. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, and and the tech lock will will go just under where the sort of the 
the transition where the handle meets the, yeah. you know, the, the steel. So it'll sort of tuck under that step. That's, that's yeah, I think that's the way I'm going to be doing it. I tell you, the only problem, the, there's a couple, the only, pr- not a problem, that's how I do it. One is tech locks are super expensive, I think. Well, I found a knockoff. Oh, um, so I, I no, bought no surprise, knockoff lock. Lockwood. That's your yeah, whole lock. lock and I bought <laughs> a... I'm like knocking everybody off. <laughs> I bought a knockoff um, for like um like like three pounds what's that like three and a half dollars or something um and i can't tell the difference um i really Get can't the tell fuck the difference. out of here I need i'm a telling you, you need to send I, me a picture I'll, I'll send you a link you cannot tell the difference and i put it in front of my wife and i say which is the most expensive oh yeah like, your wife same. knows about tech like, lock clips <laughs> come on man but they feel the same the retention's the same yeah. they're, they're exactly the same design um so yeah, I I'm gonna. I'm surprised you have like designed something for your 3D printer. It's just something else that could go wrong, isn't it? You know, I think for something that you, you imagine somebody pays, you know, you know, a fair bit of money for a knife, and then it comes off them, they lose it in the woods. That's you know, I think that's something that needs to be needs to be right. The one so, thing I so learned... hence going for a three dollar knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> knock wood that's you knock off wood um i the one thing i hate about kydex is because of what you're saying the clip goes below where that you know the guard is mm. um i learned from jonathan porter he takes a bit of webbing and he runs some loops around the outside and then you can loops around the outside from the from the rivet around the knife back to the rivet and then you can wear it sideways you just two of them ah i see what you mean yes yeah yeah so then it actually rides across your belt which i think is good because especially with the retention of kydex Hmm. you know you don't have to worry about it slipping out but mareko i tell you what if i put if i put in the amount of work you put in that knife and i pulled that thing out and i saw some brass rivet marks i think i probably have a minor stroke (laughs) <laughs> i felt that's what I, I did feel that pretty yeah just for a few minutes and i took a video i sent it to the guy and that was he's like the first thing he said is that is not the video i was hoping to see of the finish knife yeah. <laughs> he's like oh, give me an address i'll be right over and so, so i'm glad that he wants to take finish to the, was it just the finish to the knife that was <clears throat> sort of affected or is it yeah. scratched deeply no 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 it's not scratched just just it you know brass especially like the finish i got uh or i had on the blade uh which i've already started working on taking back off um is kind of like a matte black almost kind of like a parkerized finish if you've seen any blacked out parkerized blades and so it's uh it's textural kind of like a chalkboard and so the the brass left a mark on it like a piece of chalk would leave a mark on a chalkboard except it would not come off and so i had to strip the entire finish off um to get back in there and yeah like i said it took way too long to get that just right because it's been a while since i tried to do a blacked out finish on a blade and so there was a little bit of trial and and i didn't take any notes the first time around because it was so straightforward that i was like I'll, I'll remember this, but then I didn't remember it. <laughs> and I found the the best solution, the best way to approach it was this, like the stupidest, easiest way. Um, so, 
in the future. I have notes now. <laughs> I hopefully won't have to deal with that. Or yeah, in the future, as in like a few days from now, when I go to redo the finish. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. <laughs> again. Oh, it should be yeah. quick and easy. Easy peasy. Uh, but other than that, uh, I'm just, oh, I have a new build that I, uh, I have kind of a deadline on. Um, uh, the customer needs the knife like by the beginning of September. So I got to get it finished up this next week. I got a handle on it yesterday and started sculpting. Uh, it's, it's a pretty straightforward build for me. Um, so I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that I don't, you know, start feeling the pinch of time and start rushing through it. And that's when I usually make stupid fucking mistakes and have to back up take that and it's a super unique piece of handle material so i also got to make sure i slow down to make sure i don't screw that up what is it what is the material I, it's just it's a it's a black dyed maple burl but i've never seen any maple burl or any any kind of material black dyed the way this stuff is it is hmm. it it still has the chatoyant quality of the burl and uh but it is a deep deep like onyx black it is so dark it's insane it's mm. cool looking it's super cool that's cool um and i only have the one block <laughs> All right. so so just trying to I'm, I'm gonna go slow a little bit slower than normal just to make sure i don't screw that up um and yeah but that's what i got going on this week oh i i have so i have a birthday coming up on the 21st and I've been getting a bunch of people asking me, like family members asking me, and maybe and part of the reason I bring this up because maybe I can get some ideas from the audience. <laughs> but everybody keeps asking me what uh, I want for my birthday, and I have no idea. I I am the worst person to buy for because I have gotten away from wanting kind of quote-unquote frivolous things a long time ago. Like growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, and every time you know, birthday or Christmas came around, parents would always say, you know, make a list and uh, of the things that you want. And I literally never got anything I ever wanted off the list, which sounds like a spoiled little shit. But when I was, I think 11, like I was in seventh grade, I, it happened again. And that was the last time it happened because I asked for, it was simple stuff. Um, and I got a bag of M&Ms and an alarm clock which is definitely not what I asked for for my birthday. Wow. <laughs> wow, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? At first I was like, what the fuck is this? And then <laughs> and then a second later I was like, we'll never be able to afford any of the stupid shit I want. And I that was it. I just when I was 11 years old, I stopped asking for stuff for birthday cuz real realistically Realization. Yeah. I it was it was a hardship on my parents to you know, yeah. I can't imagine how they felt not being able to buy something simple for their kid that they wanted. Instead, they had, like, hmm. they could afford an alarm clock and a bag of M&Ms, right? So, so I've Did been trying Did your brother to and think... sister feel the same way? Yeah. Did definitely. your brother and sister feel the same way? Yeah. It must have been really hard for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. So, I... Uh... Do, you, do you have your address on your website? No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You need to send, send him some a bunch oh, of goobers say, hey, flying by and saying hi. Please send Morocco a packet of M&M's. So, so, <laughs> no, at, what, at, what point your, so what, at what point in your life did you start to feel like, fuck this, I'm going to start taking care of my own birthday? Because clearly, I mean, that, I mean, I always know that birthdays to you are very important. And, and, I, and, I, and I can imagine that at a young age, you feel like, 
you know, I didn't get what I wanted then. Now I'm going to take advantage of, I'm, you know, I'm an adult and I have control of my own life. And when did you start to really say, fuck this, I'm going to get what I want? Uh, so when I was in, I was probably in my early twenties. That's when I, um, for me, I didn't, I didn't want anything. What I, what I wanted was to spend time with people, uh, I cared about. And so for me, it, they, my birthdays have become more about thanking the people that are in my life, um, and spending, uh, quality time with them. That's it. Like we just hang hmm. out and cook and eat and talk shit hmm. and. It's basically like a dinner party. This this barbecue. is turning into full blast. This is what Jeff <laughs> you does. Got me, he tries to unpack people. He tries to get to a deep-rooted psychological yeah. issue. He, we know what you're doing, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? It must have been really hard for you. Well, that's my move. That's we, my move. We got a lot of shit to talk about, Jeff. <laughs> Greg, you fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what he's up to. <laughs> I, was so like, I was like, all right, can't wait for him to come on my podcast. I'm going to have to do it now. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Craig sent me a message. What are you doing? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change Jeffrey, my methods. What, what has your week been like? Well, yeah, clearly I had to change my methods. Uh, it was, you know, it's, you know, it's a fucking cra- it was a crazy week. I had a minor panic attack on Monday because of just some family stuff, but everything worked out. And then I finished out a pile of steak knives uh, for some friends of ours and... Cl- don't worry about that yet. Don't worry about that yet. <laughs> Don't worry about that. We're gonna get into that too. And then um, I we had a. It was I finished a pile of steak knives, which was fun. And then well, fun because I got to make. Uh, I got to make uh, my our friend Ben Snoor sent me. Um, our friend Ben Snoor sent me some uh, mesquite, and I made some uh, mesquite handled knives for him, and they turned out really nice. And, and then I made some more. Uh, oak barrel handles with a little bit of torch heat uh, on those and those are all ready to go. But the thing that freaked me out is usually Fridays are my shipping days and it just makes my life a lot easier. I, whatever I have ready to go, everything I plan on having, whatever I'm working on, Friday's the day it's going to go to the post office and we do all the, I do all the shipping labels here and all I have to do is drop everything off. I don't do the standing in line and making the you know people hump, for, hump when you don't have them written out the ready to go, just drop and get the receipt. So I went into the uh, post office and I was talking to uh, the uh, the people at the post office that I really like. And, and I said to them, I mean, you must be getting a lot of questions. And they said, what do you mean? I'm like, well, about is the mail slowing down? And without any hesitation, she said, the, the mail is definitely slowing down. Not because, not only because I'm seeing it here, but the stuff that I'm ordering, you know, her personal stuff that she's getting. And I said, well, what are you seeing? And she says, well, you know, when you send something priority, I said, whoa, whoa, you mean boxes too? And I said, I thought it was just mail. And she says, everything, everything's being slowed down. And because a lot of people are coming in to complain, like I want my money back and, you know, you know, do that with priority mail. So it was really uncomfortable because I was just like, I'm putting these in the mail. And I had to write emails to the three people I sent the the knives to saying, here's a tracking number. And just to let you know, the mail is is going to be slower. You know, two days. It's supposed to be two days. It might not be two days. Hmm. So here's a tracking number. Get a hold of me if in you know in case of I was I was surprised. I didn't think it was going to be this way. And then um, I had a. Comp- so, 
Go ahead. So what, what I'm reading about the sort of possible sort of political reasons right. for that happening, and we won't go into that so much. Well, but, we can't, but, but what is what is physically happening? Why why is it being slowed down? We don't have to go. I don't. We don't do a lot of political stuff here, and I've said it before in the past. I don't want to do political stuff because I don't. I don't want you to hear my political views because I don't want to hear yours. I'm not you. I'm talking about the listener. Yes. Yeah. But it's 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 hard, and I, we get a lot of messages. We go, I I listen to life talk, so I don't have to hear what's going on in the world. I understand, but now the federal government is affecting what we're doing. So it's like my method of transportation for my knives is the U.S. Postal Service. So what's happening is, is I guess the new whatever, the new post Postmaster General is slowing down by, you know, no overtime, and they're, they're doing all these cuts to, you know, slow down the post office. Okay, so, so that's, it's, that's how it's happening. Okay. I guess, I, without being too political, and, you know, once again, you know, it's it's hard not to be because now it's starting to affect our lives. When I send a message to people saying, I don't, I can't, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm thinking about, you know, the 50 or 60 knives I'm going to be sending out in, in October. And I'm thinking, well, now what am I going to do? I guess I got to use UPS, which I'm kind of loath to do. I can do it, but I'm loath to do it because hmm. the post office is a great institution. I've never had a problem with, um, with the priority mail. And, uh, you know, before you start sending in my, your, you know, your messages of, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care what you, I don't care what the politics of the New York Jew, which is I've gotten. That was pleasant. That was pleasant. Oh, that was pleasant. Slipped into my DMs. That was pleasant. So, oh. with that said, you know, whoever you that have was, to, you go know, fuck yourself. Well, I mean, yeah. it's you know, it, this is this is what's happening. So it was it was a it was fine. I've been called worse, and uh, it's like, uh, but. It, we're having to deal with issues that, you know, obviously the federal government doesn't think that we have it hard enough right now. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> pandemic isn't enough, nor is economic collapse. Let's make sure people can't get their mail on time. And, you know, their collateral damage is getting your checks that you're supposed to be getting in or getting your bills or what's going to happen to the people whose bills are late or who's going to pay for the, the late fees on that. And who's going it, to, it's a fucking wreck. And then I had to deal with goddamn hornets. Oh, jeez. Fucking hornets. Did, did you hear about the, more about the hornets? Did fucking the murder hornets. hornets make it to you? Well, little bastards. Little bastards. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I was, my dog, little Bessie, gets, is very allergic to, to bug bites. And once in a while, though, you know, my other dog, Sunday, she'll get a little mosquito bite on her nose or something like that. And it goes down and then, uh, Bessie had this sting under her eye and her eye was swollen up and then after 24 hours it was gone but I had mowed the lawn in the corner of our backyard and I got stung and it was like it's the kind of sting where you like you can feel it and then it like pulses through you for five minutes but I didn't get it there was no bumps there was no nothing and I fucking jumped and cursed and screamed and you know and then I thought oh maybe I stepped on something or maybe I hit some I don't know I didn't really investigate I was just too pissed off and then yesterday I was in the same spot and I got jacked again. And it's like this a sting that you feel for five minutes easy. And I'm not allergic anymore. I was a kid, I was allergic. And obviously, I'm not allergic now because I'm not getting any bumps. I can't even tell you where I got stung, but it was five minutes of cursing. And it was like, it was, and I'm obviously, I've never been shot by a gun. So I can't tell you it felt like a gunshot because I have no idea what that feels like. But it, could have been. Could have been in New York. It could have been. Yeah, whatever. So it sucks. Hey, I'm walking here. They pull out their gun. And I, I've seen the films. I've seen the films. I love. 
I love knockoff knockoff wood. You're the best, man. I love New York knockoff. You're the best. So I coincidentally, Jared Thatcher called me right after I got stung. And I and I didn't know where it was. And I was and I looked and I, I looked behind the tree and I saw this enormous nest. I was like, how could I miss this thing? It's the size of a football. And I'm not kidding. The literal size, just a little bit bigger than a football. Fucking huge. So I said to Jared, I'm like, yeah, I got just stung by this goddamn bug. It's huge. It's a wasp or a hornet. I don't know what the hell it is. And he says, you should hit it with a baseball bat and oh film it. God. And film it. <laughs> Whatever you do, I want to see the Instagram stories. That's what he said. He's like, I want to see the Instagram stories. Pour and I some said, coke over you first, shower in coke, hit it with a baseball bat and film it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like, that's the first thing he says, you got to do something and you got to put it on Instagram because I want to know. And I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, Jared, that doesn't seem whatever. So I got off the phone with him and then I went, got closer to take a picture of it and I got stung for a second time. And then I got to, I slapped him and I got him and then I took a picture of him and then I posted it to Instagram and stuff like that. And I said, what is this and what should I do? And I, I tell you what, the people who, who wrote to me, except for one person, and I'm going to give that one person a surprise credit, gave me terrible advice. Everybody seems to have a lot of gasoline lying around that they think that I should pour onto things and light. Uh, Eddie Jitz <laughs> said I should use three gallons of gasoline. Flamethrowers, use the flamethrowers. Use a. And is it is this attached to a tree? Oh yeah, yeah. On a oh, on a okay. makes in a bush sense, on yeah. you know you know yeah exactly right next to my neighbors. You should hit it with you know hit it with a a, a torch. You hit it with the you know use some a big uh, pariah knife. Says uh, 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 aerosol can and a big lighter. Everyone's got all these terrible advice. So, so I, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, and I said to my wife, I said, you got to see this thing. And she goes and looks at it, and she's like, oh, my God. And I said, I think that I should do something. And she goes, oh, no, 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 you're not doing anything. And she's screwed her face up. She's got her face all screwed up. She's like, oh, no, no. what are you, Johnny Knoxville? <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to hit this out of a, you're going to hit this out of a, you're crazy. You're not touching this thing. These were huge hornets. And I thought they were wasps. And then uh, our listener, uh, uh, Will Freeman, said that was the first person to say that they were a, called a bald-faced hornet. Mm. They had white, white on their face and stuff like that. And I looked them up. They are extraordinarily um, aggressive. And they don't have a barb on their stinger, so they can get you like four or five times. <laughs> These mm. fucking things. And they're, it, everything says extremely aggressive. And they were. So Hillary's like, you're not touching that goddamn thing. Get your, get your ass. I said, well, yeah, you know what? They say if you do it at night with the cans of wasp repellent. And he's like, no, you're not doing that. What are you, crazy? Yeah, out of your mind. We're going to call somebody. So we got in the car. My daughter and I got in the car to get the groceries. And she, I said, look at what all these people are saying. Look at all these suggestions people are having. And my daughter's like, what is wrong with them? They're trying to kill you. They're trying to kill my dad. <laughs> all your listeners and your followers are trying to kill you. And I said, well, let's do a video. And as a, resu as a response saying that I'm on the way to the hospital. Oh, nice. And she says, that's a great idea. So she put the, <laughs> the video on herself. And she goes, oh, you guys with the terrible advice, now we're driving my dad to the hospital. And then he turns it to me, and I got one eye squinted like Popeye. And I'm like, oh, I'm screaming fuck the whole time. And, and she's like, she's like and as she serves me, she goes, no, don't write anything else. Just leave it alone for the rest of the day and see what happens. I'm, everyone thinks I'm dead. Everyone thinks, I mean, it was like clearly not, it was clearly not, you know, real. 
but it was funny because I, I was people I hope you're okay and you know you should do this and you know Trent from uh, house uh, work for it podcast was giving me all sorts of advice oh my god he was all he was all up in this and uh, everybody was trying to be helpful and some people thought I was in the, really in the hospital and I'm fine so we're gonna call a guy this week and and you try to get rid of it. Goofball, Jeff. You goofball. Well, it was like the, the, the advice people. I mean, you have no idea. Everyone seems. Eric Markman, you should use fire. Every, you know, all these guys, every single person was like, oh, yeah, fire. You should definitely coat the tree in gasoline and light the tree on fire and then move. Jeez. Wow. You have no idea. Everybody's <laughs> fire. advice. It's terrible advice. I mean, there's one person, and you're going to be surprised, who gave me the best advice. The only person, Damascus Dave. Dave Cardilla, I make a lot of jokes about Dave. Dave was the only person who was looking out for my welfare. He said, those are bald-faced was, uh, hornets. Call an exterminator. Don't fucking fuck with them. He said, he's like, please, do not, don't, don't play. Call an exterminator. So, Dave, thank you very much for That's having con- real concern over me. And you're the only one, Dave. You're the only one who had legitimate concern. So thank you. So have they been exterminated? No, yeah, away? The, the fucking the twenty four hour exterminators are closed on Sundays. I mean, you can't make this <laughs> shit up. I mean, it's like, how do you fucking close close on the afternoon on Saturday and they're all all day Sunday they're closed? How's that a twenty four hour twenty four hour seven day a week service? <laughs> idiots. So I'm gonna watch idiots. them. I'll watch them do it. Hmm. Do you know who who aren't idiots? Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Evenheat, they're back at work. They're making ovens for you guys. So go take a look, evenheat-kiln.com, um, and have a look at their ovens. They're the best in the business. It's what we use. Speaking of, speaking of which, how good was... Uh, if I hear, anytime I hear Evenheat, all I think of is Dr. Laren Thomas shooting in for I was shooting in for one how good was he last week yeah he was awesome absolutely awesome i mean fully clothed as well which is always a bonus we, when we get a we doctor know, on we think we think, we think they are. <laughs> i've never gotten more messages about how good that episode was with knife steel nerds um dr laren thomas than that one that was mm-hmm. a monster you've got to have him back on yeah, I think we need to. We need. We should get people to ring up for you know to speak to the doctor, and maybe he can record little sort of replies. That's a good idea. We oh, no, no, we have to do, now we have to do it. But he was great, and one of the things you got to get his book. I'm just going to give him one last plug because he deserves. It. He did great on the podcast. Knife engineering, steel heat treating, and geometry by Dr. Laren Thomas. Go get it on Amazon, and you will you'll you'll thank yourself. It's definitely a good investment. And I tell you what. He makes things very easy to understand. I thought he was awesome on the podcast, and it was a real pleasure to have him. So that is one thing I Doesn't did ask for my birthday. Yeah, I'd, I'd never know what to ask for, but that was one thing that I had to ask for. May I make a <laughs> suggestion? Yeah. Yes, I think you should just buy what you want for your birthday. That's what I would do. Okay. I, I, I'm, you know, it's just like just get what you want. Well, no, and this is like no. Everybody keeps asking me. I keep telling like, don't worry about it. Like, I don't need. I don't. I can't think of anything. I don't know. I don't need anything. And they're like, no, I really, I want to get you something. I'm just like, well, I got nothing for you. So good luck with that. I don't know. So then that's it. I don't know. I just don't know what to ask for. I don't know. I don't ask Who? for shit for myself. Don't ask for Talks. anything. Yeah. Just Talks. you're 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 a grown man. You're like what are you? Thirty six. Thirty six. Thirty seven. That's it. Yeah, 36. it's over with the 
don't worry. Tell, tell them, you know, have a nice life. Yeah. Just say, oh, don't give me anything. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's talk about knives for a bit. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? All right. This is the part of the show where we ask you, our listeners, to submit some questions that we could try to answer. And where, how should we answer those? How should we get those questions, Craig? How? Well, there's a number of ways. Um, the easiest is... Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. That's it. Don't only do that because I'm getting a lot of stuff all over the place and people are getting confused. So, and I talk on Instagram. All right. So the first question um, for Hey Man, Can I Ask You a Question comes from Lucas Hansen. Uh, all right. So he says, I feel like I've been listening to you three touching your wood here and there, but I'm struggling to get a good mental image. <laughs> I know what what's going on. <laughs> I know you're big fans of nice, thick, hard wood, but is soft wood so bad? Jesus, Lucas, what are you doing to us? Um, if you were to stabilize soft wood by rubbing some cactus juice on it, oh Jesus, and squeezing it, what the fuck kind of questions are these? Well, this is the first question, and squeezing it ever so tightly, Lucas, what the fuck is going on with you? Uh, would we be able to perform? Uh, would it be able to perform when the time was right to put the task in hand? What's a good resource for preparing my own wood for those delicate finishing touches? All the best. And P.S. Does Mareko know Mount Rainier is way overdue to erupt? Sweet dreams. So this <laughs> pathetically sexy question. Really, I mean, come on. You know, we're not. I mean, we're not out of our minds here. He wants to know if you can stabilize soft woods. Definitely. Yeah, and they they'll stabilize very, very well. They'll take up a lot of juice. Um, oh, will but they? The, you can also you see a lot of stabilizing with, and I do it quite often, putting dyes in as well because um, it is so sort of loose. In the, you know that soft wood, the grain sort of structure is mm -hmm. so loose, mm -hmm. it can suck up colors. Are and you all sorts are you trying things. to make this sexy too? What are you doing? <laughs> Believe me, I'm not. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not. Believe me, I'm trying every word I can to not sex it up. But you'll know when I'm being sexy. Yeah. You'll know. Yeah, I will. Will I? Will I will be throwing up in the back? That's what it's going to be. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, softwoods, um, they definitely can be stabilized. Um, and you can do some really interesting stuff with them with regards to pulling in color and that kind of thing. If you, if you look on YouTube and look for people sort of double dye in and triple dye in, um, a good loose structure softwood, something like a pine is brilliant for that because there's not much color to it anyway. Um, and yeah, it'll pull up colors really, really nicely. And then it'll go hard because mm. you're, you're going to bake in that, that, that hardness. Do you know what I, I was on a, uh, this speaking of that, I was uh, kind of, I was on a, uh, I was on a, um, at acrylite. What is it? You know, those hybrid handles. What is it? Ac acrylite? Acrylite, acrylic, yeah, acrylic. So, and I was, I got a mold and I got some acrylite, acrylite. I think it's acrylite, or whatever. And um, I watched all these videos. They don't, you can't use a chamber for for that. The the um, a stabilizing chamber doesn't work for those acrylics because you're, you're the idea is you're trying to pull the, the bubbles out. 
And w- oh, right. So you're trying to set your own. Right. I've got right. you. I thought you meant sheets of acrylic. No, right, no. Right. I wanted to cast. I wanted to do that hybrid casting handle material. And 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 yeah. What they were one guy. What they have. What they use is pressure pots. And the pressure, pressure pots. pots are from for like painters. So that I guess it pushes positive pressure into the thing, and then the bubbles kind of like disappear. Yeah. Oh, you can just use like a blow. Some some of them. Um, they're like the formulation is so they won't bubble, but the bubbles just rise to the top. So you just run over them then with like a heat gun. And it'll bust all those bubbles really quickly, and you got perfectly clear. Yeah, I want to look into that. But mm. they put one; they put it into a stabilizing chamber, and it turned into a huge foaming disaster. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. Did you know about Mount Rainier? Yes. Rico, are, are you worried? I'm, uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so what he's referring to is the Cascadian subduction subduction zone, which is about, I think it's like sixty or seventy miles off the coastline here on the Pacific coast. And, um, there's this thing that happens every so often and we're way overdue for one, but essentially the plates right there, they suddenly slip right underneath each other and it causes, causes a lot of problems. Um, so yeah, there was a New York times article actually talking about the subduction zone and, and all this research, like, and historical information that came from like Japan and other parts uh, around the world that experienced kind of basically the tidal wave or the tsunami that was a result of the of the subduction zone. Uh, it's a really interesting article. It's pretty scary because yeah, we're like 600 years overdue for one apparently, uh, and so it's like any day. Uh, oh, but it's the same thing like the uh, what is it the Yellowstone cult like super volcano caldera that is also <laughs> way overdue and guess what luke if that goes off a lot of people are gonna be in a fucking hard spot and i'm guessing you are too bud so thanks for trying to give me a hard time with this whole mount rainier <laughs> thing yeah, good night he, sleep tight bud he tried to give you the reach around <laughs> into something else and then all of a sudden <laughs> but you know it is 2020 anything's possible yeah Jeez. anything is possible still a lot it's, of year to go those years <laughs> yeah. yeah i know all right this next one is from cmc forge uh he said uh the last episode with dr laren thomas was incredible there's a lot of good voodoo out there voodoo a lot of knife voodoo oh a lot of knife sorry i'm not a good reader (laughs) that episode just wiped out half of it with science my book should arrive today i'm listening again thank you randy randy has big props from mr laren there you go. Get Doctor. your books. It's Dr. Laren. Dr. Dr. Laren. Sorry. You don't, he, he earned it. It's true. He did. Yeah, it's true. David Penn says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? My wife just had our second daughter on Tuesday, and we have an 18-month-old running around the house, too. Any tips on how to stay sane and contain the craziness of dealing with a newborn and a toddler? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. It's like parenting talk. Grandparents. Get um, the grandparents over to watch the 18-month-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, get some help. <laughs> Jesus. Jeez, I can't imagine an 18 month because ours are 20 months now, so around about that age, but then have a newborn as well. <laughs> I'd, uh, yeah, no advice from me, really. <laughs> Sleep when you can, eat when you can, and uh, take it easy. I think Mareko had the idea a while ago where he walked his he walked his son around. Take your take that toddler on a long walk and get him to sleep. Yeah. Where his ass out. Knock his ass out. Knock his ass out. And don't ask knife podcasts about parenting talk. You know? <laughs> yeah. We're not the ones. But fine. 
you're on your own, dude. There's no tips. You have to you have to make it happen. You have to have that parenting callus and make it happen. Yeah. Children's TV. Stick it in front of children's there TV and see if you can get some work done. That's that's the plan on go. this place. All right. The next question comes from Nick Kruger. This is actually a knife question. Hey guys, can I ask you a question? I've been experimenting with an acid etched acid etched finished finish. It's a 1095 stock removal blade and I'm going for an even gray finish. Unfortunately, I'm not getting very good results, and I'm hoping you have some advice. After heat treatment, I hand sanded the blade to 600 grit, then I washed it with dish soap. I then uh, wiped it down with acetone before etching it in undiluted ferric chloride for five minutes. Pardon me. When it comes out of the acid, the color is nice. However, the finish is inconsistent and splotchy in some areas. I've tried this three times with different blades, and I keep getting the same results. I'm fairly meticulous with each step of the process. Any idea what I'm doing wrong? Thanks for great podcast, Nick. So he wants to find out what he's doing wrong to get an even gray finish for his knife. I mean, it sounds like he's doing the right thing, uh, you know, by taking it to a nice hand sanded finish and then washing and cleaning it. I would do the the hand, the the washing last though i have had bad experiences with acetone leaving a funky residue because acetone is a i'm pretty confident it's a a petroleum byproduct and so there i've i've had some funkiness on the blade after using the acetone so i would suggest acetoning first to kind of break down if there's any oils or whatever or maybe you got some somehow got some glue or something on the blade but then wash it afterwards but the idea of using undiluted ferric chloride is not the right idea in fact ferric chloride is not as effective when it is full quote-unquote full strength it is more effective when you start diluting it so start diluting it it's standard dilution is whatever uh it's usually especially if you're getting it from like radio shack those are like a pint bottle and it would be like a four to one ratio so four uh four parts distilled water uh to to uh to the pint of acid but you can even go i i usually go myself personally i like a little bit less aggressive um and so i'll even cut it even more than that i'll do like 15 parts to one um and that way i have a little bit more control i don't don't think faster is better in this solution in fact slower is probably going to be better um but slower by diluting the acid instead of working with the full strength because the full strength this isn't going to be as uh i guess predictable and and, um consistent have you ever I'm used? Have you ever used? Uh, I just got a bucket of uh, evapo rust, and it's it's you, it's safe to use. Apparently, you can. It's food safe too. Okay. And it, you use it to put in. Uh, you put in to, to remove rust completely. Like you get it by yourself. A, I know our buddy Vintage uh, Roy Roy Scott or Vintage Axe Works. He he'll go buy a pile of axe heads, put in the evapo rust, and I bought a, a small bucket of it, and I use it for these cleavers, and it is it gives it a very it takes away the rust and it gives you a very matte finish. Yeah. And then it also reveals where your, you know, the where the bit is. You know, it like mm, it's a really inter- it's a very very I, I haven't put any uh steel blade, you know, regular finished steel blades in it, but it is a very very interesting finish, not to mention so is vinegar. Yeah. You know. 
vinegar. I've heard people using like hot vinegar and gent like slowly like with like a paper towel or something like that, heating up the vinegar and then wiping it onto the blade. Um, but I think again, that's a little tricky to get a consistent um, finish across the entire blade, especially a large knife, if, especially if it's a, like a chef's knife or something like that. I can't remember what he said. Uh, it doesn't say, but anyways, um, I, I have seen like, so I've used phosphoric acid, which I've talked about before, um, which is concrete, uh, what is it? Concrete prep and etch or etch prep, uh, which is like a blue green kind of container. The, the brand is clean that you can get at home Depot, at least here in the United States. But I, uh, I've, I've dunked blades in there. It cleans, it eats off the rust like instantly or not instantly, but it does a really, really, really good job eating off the rust. And then the, it, I have seen that it also has kind of like a matte gray finish to it. Um, and then as I think as long as you neutralize that properly, uh, it should, yeah, that's a big issue. Yeah. Some of these things are not, you know. Yeah, you don't like, want you that don't want to leave, especially if it's coming in contact with food. <laughs> yeah, like muriatic acid. You don't want that to be, you know. All of a sudden, you get the yeah, you get that muriatic acid. Why does this taste like I'm sucking on batteries? Oh god. <laughs> hmm. oh. You know, going back to that, we spoke about that a, a couple of weeks ago about with a carbon steel knife, you know, cutting through fruits and acidic stuff. Um, I did again this week and um, with, with lemons. And it was I think it was a 52-100 blade I was using, cut some lemons. But then I put the, the blade on my tongue, not not the sharp edge, obviously, just, you know, the, the side obviously. face onto my tongue. Yeah. And it felt like a charged. It felt like an electrical charge in the in the blade. Hmm. It, was, it was, yeah, just thought I'd mention. Yeah. Is that what you do? That's what I do. Yeah. That's, that's how I get my kicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You take a picture next time. No, don't take yeah. a picture. It's fine. You can just talk about it. But <laughs> just imagine all of a sudden you get a little tingle in your penis after you stick that knife on your tongue. How do you go from what I said to a tingle? There's something wrong with you. You need to be checked, checked over somewhere. Jeez. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. And, you know, I just tidied up my, my grinding room because I basically had no room. It was just it was a hell of a mess, and I hated going in there. And I've just tidied it up, and I put all my belts up nice and tidy. And I didn't realize how much stuff combat do, not just, you know, your, your generic sort of 36, 60 grits and so on. I've, there's lots of, you know, sort of higher end stuff as well. And I've got like um, felt belts and things like that, scotch brights belts. Mm. So go take a look at combatabrasives.com. Um, use Knife Talk 15 to get your discount. And maybe try try something different. Try a belt you haven't used before because I'm finding the difference between, you know, different styles of belts are huge. Go, go take a look. You can, Treat yourself to something new. You, Treat yourself. And you cannot, you cannot beat the prices. You can't beat the prices on those Scotch Bright belts. I've tried. No, their their Scotch Bright belts are, their prices are about as good as you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Go take a look. Knife Talk 15 and get 15 percent off too. Jeff, I understand you've got a new bit for us. Well, I mean, I get a lot of well, on the Full Blast podcast. I, I ask for people's dilemmas, and they always end up turning into knife dilemmas. I'm thinking, well, this is not really that podcast. So I figured I'd take some of the dilemmas I get from the Full Blast podcast on the Bakery Network and bring them over here. And I thought I'd ask you guys some questions that we could really explore these dilemmas. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus Christ, you and the fucking jingle. You're out of your mind. You really lost your mind. <laughs> All right. So the first dilemma is from Oliver Godden. Oliver Godden says, hey, guys, I'm a 17-year-old knife maker. I've been making knives for about four years now, and I feel like I could have a good thing going for me if I made stainless steel knives. I live in a rich hunting and fishing community, and my question is, I would need a heat treat oven, obviously an even heat. Um, I worked all summer, and I have the funds to buy one, but I'm a little bit gun shy about buying one because of school right now, and I might not have time to make uh, the knives I want to make, and I'm just torn. What do you, should I buy? Should I make the investment? He wants to know if he should make the investment on an even heat because he thinks he can do the stainless steel. What are the pros and cons? What do you guys think? Well, the thing is, it's gonna sit, it's gonna sit there waiting for you, so you can use it now, and you can get used to using it. Um, you know, but if time becomes a factor, uh, whereas you know schoolwork takes over, it's still gonna be sitting there. It's not you know it's not losing value. It it's not you know losing its purpose at all. It's there sitting for you wherever you're ready. So, um, yeah, get it when you can. That that's that's my advice. Well, I asked him to kind of ex- explain himself, and he says, "Is it, do you think it's worth it for me to spend my hard-earned savings on an oven?" Um, just because I could possibly do this in the future. Well, if he's thinking of doing stainless, he's going to need an oven, really. Right. There's no there's no way around it. So, you know, I suppose that's the question. How desperately do you need to be making stainless knives? But well, it's, t- it's tough. And it, it, you can send stainless out to be heat treated by a service like Peter's Heat Treat or something like that. Right. This is a guy who, you know, he's here. I mean, it's it's a dilemma because he's just like he's got that money in his hand and he knows that he's getting ready for school and he might not be able to make knives at all. And it would have to be something that he'd have to really kind of like budget his time. And it sounds to me like he's having a hard time budgeting his time because you either make the decision or not. Mm. He's a young guy. That's a big it's a big expense for a first time expense. Those, I remember right. I remember buying my mm. first oven and it was Oh yeah, yeah. I had to convince my wife that I wasn't crazy. Yeah. You know? I would hold on to the cash. Or until until oh. you I would say hold on to it until you're in a better position. If our sponsors are listening, morph. please turn off. <laughs> <laughs> if you're but if you're we're trying to help the listeners too. Yeah, of course. Of <laughs> course. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. But if you're just not in the position to really, you, you know, we just don't know where things are going to go. And if you're going to need that money, you know, right, you know, for something else and, um, you know, you don't want it tied up. And if you're not going to make mm-hmm. use of it right away, then, you know, Peter's you know, or being sending stuff out to heat treat, even though like the great thing about having an oven is that you can heat treat it yourself right then and there in that like whatever you want. Over, yeah, exactly. Sending stuff out, you know, it's usually like a week or two turnaround. So I think some of them are backed up to the point where it's like a month turnaround now. So there's a huge delay, but there's also it, it's also less expensive than investing initially. But uh, yeah, I don't know. If it, it, it sounds it's a like a real dilemma, well, and I think also if if it's a dilemma, it's you're probably not necessarily in the best position to really be buying that uh, a large item like that. You're better off doing that when it's more comfortable and it's not a dilemma, you know, financially for somebody. Okay, here's here's what I'd do. Okay, go ahead. Put some feelers out to your customers or who you think are going to be buying knives to see if they do want a stainless knife. Give them the prices um, and work out then whether it's worth doing. 
because you know if you've got 10 people coming back to you saying they're going to give you $500 for a, for a stainless knife go out get the oven work your butt off for a few weeks you've made some money you've got your oven you're ready to go um yeah put some feelers out before committing to buying the oven and if you think the the work is out there and that you can you can earn this extra money for this oven quickly or it'll, the oven will pay for itself quickly it's it's a no-brainer but um yeah make sure that making stainless knives is 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 the way forward for you 17 years and old see if the custom customers are out there for you 17 is a big investment for a 17 year old it is it I, is big and big dilemma yeah did you have something more to add i the only thing i would add is his heart isn't into it that's my that, that i i i automatically think when you when you have a dilemma that you bring to a podcast <laughs> you're having you're not feeling very confident in the decision and i would say if you're not feeling confident and you need a podcast of three knuckleheads to make your decision for you, <laughs> I think maybe you might want to just hold on to that cash for a little bit. Hmm. I, I would do it. I, I mean, I would. Yeah. I remember when I was 20, I bought my first MIG welder used and it was I, I think I paid 700 bucks for it. I was sweating bullets. I was hmm. I was I was giving that I was handing that cash over to this used for this used MIG welder. I was I was literally like having heart palpitations. Sure, a lot of money. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that dilemma was solved. Yeah. That's what. That's why I like this no. bit. I, I will add one thing <laughs> that if you think you are, you, if you're ready to pull the trigger for a heat treat kiln, obviously go for it, even heat. But last I looked, Soul Ceramics has still has the best prices, and the Knife Talk promo code still works. <laughs> Really? It does. Don't yeah, they everybody also relax. A... Oh my God, the lawsuits are going to come. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> so they also have, uh, you know, if you sign up for their newsletter, apparently they will also offer you the same discount. So you can either be, uh, you know, use the promo code or sign up for their newsletter. But if you use the promo code, they know where the, they know where the customers are coming from. Yeah, they're going to stop that oh, shit. Yeah. I'll stop that shit soon. I'll stop that shit soon. <laughs> one, thing, one thing that's great about Even Heat is you don't have to have a 220 unit. They have 110 units that are... That's the first one I bought was a 110 unit. It takes a little bit long, a little bit longer to get up to heat, but it's awesome. The 110 units, that's what I went for because I thought, maybe I don't want this. Maybe I don't need this. In my, maybe I don't need to get an electrician in my house. I got the 110 unit and it was awesome for a long, long time. I still use it every day. So I've never had a problem with it either. Next dilemma. You guys ready for another dilemma? Yeah. Damn, what would you God do? Damn, that is an outrage. It's a total outrage. All right. This is an anonymous dilemma because it's a little bit tense. The guy who I was designing, the, I, was des I asked a guy at work, um, let me reread re -read this. The guy who was designing the knife with me is a coworker of mine at my day job. So he's got a day job, and he and a and his coworker designed a knife. I found out later he was a big fan of a specific knife maker. Um, my belief is that my coworker came with me with someone else's design, completely copied it from the original maker, and came up with his design for us to make. Now I have almost $600 into knives, handles, and sheaths. Um, and from what I can tell, I had no idea. He had no idea uh, where this original idea came from. Uh, now he's a couple hundred dollars into, the, into, the, into this pile of knives he already started. He, uh, his, the guy said, 
um, do this design and then I'll, you know, I only want is like four or five of them and then we can split the money or whatever. And he realized after he's halfway through that this is not an original design, somebody else's design. Yikes. What do you do? Does that make sense? Did I make it sense? Because yeah. I had to kind of clean it up I think a little so, bit. Yeah. So, so the, so the sum summary is he's at work. Guy says, hey, let's make some knives. I have this design. He brings him the design says, that's great. He says, let's make 10 or 15 of them. I just want three or four, and then you can have the rest. So he's halfway through, and he realizes somebody brought to his attention that this is a complete knockoff of somebody else's knife. And now what does he now he's in the hole for six hundred bucks. Now what does he do? Hmm. So so he was gonna be making the knives anyway, he's, and this guy wanted a cut just for coming up with this design idea. I think that he was like, This would be great, we can sell them all. I just want three or four. <sighs> it's a tough one, man. It isn't a tough one. Don't collaborate. I, I, I these collaborations don't collaborate are with people you don't trust. These Definitely. collaborations yeah. are like, I mean, sometimes, I mean, if you know somebody, you, you don't necessarily. I mean, it, it could have been, it could have been that influenced, but at the same time, it's like, you know, six hundred bucks isn't a ton of money to do a collab. You know, a ton of money to be into, but it sucks because all of a sudden it's just like this is all tainted now. This isn't even my idea. Now I'm making something that's someone else's idea. Yikes! No, yeah, no, now's the time to change up, change up the design. You, I don't think you can go, you yeah, know, with a good heart, finishing what what you know is wrong. So yeah, now's the time to change up the design and say to this guy, look, just be just be honest with him. You know, he's obviously a friend or, or, or you know a trusted partner of yours in some way. So just have the honest conversation. Say, look, e even if you didn't know this design is is a rip off, it's you know take a look. They they are virtually the same. <clears throat> we need to do something. A bit different, from the pictures he showed me and what he found mm -hmm. out it's clearly a <laughs> there's no way <laughs> that this you know pencil neck this geek didn't know. Found, came up with this idea on his own yeah. this is like a straight up there is no question about it he's a and then he you know finds out that he's a fan of the person that he ripped his, these knives off with so he you know he got into it unfortunately so what do you do? But we'll get, we can get back to this in just a sec, but that just reminds me of something that I've seen this week. So somebody who's following the Knife Talk podcast, um, they were making these knives, and I'm like, I've, I've seen that before. I've seen that, and it look, they look very, very similar to somebody else's knife. Um, but this person who they, they're clearly ripping off uh, once accused me of ripping them off, and and I certainly wasn't, you know, and it was just like, whoa, whoa, and it, it, it sort of took me by surprise that they said that I'd ripped them off but um I saw one of our listeners this week is ripping them off in such a obvious obvious way and it just made me smile really so yeah <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a bit of a bit of a side track a little, little schadenfreude you like a little schadenfreude I'm not happy till I you're do. not happy I understand exactly <laughs> but um yeah this going back to this one I think yeah yeah you, you can't do it with it with a good conscience conscience so yeah, now's the time to change the well, design yeah. and tell your buddy that you know it's you know that the deal's off. Whatever deal you had going between you both, you can't do it. You know with a good conscience. Right? Well, yeah, unless they can really change the design so it's not a ripoff. My concern is uh, mm. is also kind of the repercussions of like the worst workplace environment because what's going to happen if he backs he's he very like diplomatically says look i can't do this i can see that it's a clear knockoff and that's not what i want to be doing and so him and his friend come to an agreement to be done and then his friend 
turns out to be an asshole <laughs> it starts talking shit about him around the the workplace yeah. environment hmm. i would i have a way to get around that. that okay let's hear it you I, I here's how you get away from around that you have to be a little bit jokey ball breaking you have to be funzy but not accusatory so like you go up and you come in on monday and you say let's say to the guy his name is alan alan what the fuck is this? And I'm like, what are you doing to me? Now I got to do all this? Yeah, out of here, Mike. Get the fuck out of here. What are you, crazy? Now I got to do all this? Ah, it's too... Ah, you, you knucklehead, you. And then you just kind of like squeeze it all. Kind of like, I'm not doing these, you idiot. And then you be funzy, friendly, you know, ball breaking, you know. Ah, yeah, man, what are you wasting all my time for? You're out of your mind. I'm not making these. And then you, and you'll be fine. You'll be at the water cooler and you'll be like, this motherfucker right here. And then you turn to your friend you're like this motherfucker right here made me do all these knives from somebody else Can you believe that i see and then they think you're both crazy and no one will talk to you or anyone, anyone <laughs> yeah, exactly it'll be fine so It'll you gotta fine. make the idea is to make him feel like an idiot so that he doesn't want to turn around and say anything about yeah, it to anybody i would totally i would totally try to turn it into a giant joke and okay. be like you, why are you wasting all my time? What am I going to do? Are you going to come to your house and, and tell you how to live your life? You're out of your mind. And I wouldn't give them. I wouldn't give them. I'd say, you're crazy. You wasted all my time. And I would guilt trip them and then make them feel bad. And then I would try to sweep it back up. And then I would ask him about his, you know, childhood. And then try to unpack him <laughs> mentally. And try to find out what went wrong. That he was such a liar. And he was, he's, you know, un, unoriginal. You know? That's a tough one. Yeah. So I think the three of us can agree not not to make. I the think knives you should make the knives. Design. I think you should make the knives and not give the dude a cut. And I think that you should make it very clear. It's you know I mean, what you, or you got to change the knives. You have to change them somehow hmm. because yeah. you know clearly you know you should be able to. But at the same time, it might be sour. You might be sour for the rest of the build. Right. But don't collaborate. This is the reason why you guys <laughs> you got to figure out ways in which to not be influenced. And you have to make you make a design and then you make slight evolutions off that design and then you don't have to worry you know where things come from that's what you know you guys want to be artists that's how an artist works you take an idea and then you slowly build off that idea until you have something that's your own because mm. otherwise it's like you know some dickhead down in mechanics is telling you how to make this <laughs> push knife that turns out to be like something from somebody else he, he obviously the guy doesn't know what he's doing he came up with it because he was looking on instagram yeah well, and I guess it, you were saying before, don't give him a cut. And I guess he, the maker would absolutely be justified considering that the guy didn't even really come up with a design. He copied somebody else's shit. And so he also, mm. he could just say, look, you know, I'm going to change the design. And if the guy's like, no, but we, we agreed on this design. Then he could also turn around and be like, look, I know this is a straight up ripoff of this other maker. I'm not doing that. So... I'm going to change the design. Yeah. I'm going to sell these knives and you're not getting any of it. <laughs> you can't, you cannot collaborate with people and trust that their intentions are good. And you got to do a little bit of research. I mean, come on, man, if this dude's in accounting and all of a sudden he's just like, comes up with this like slick design, you got to ask where it came from. It didn't come from him a dream. I was, I was dreaming and I, you know, I saw that I thought about this. No, 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 no. You have to show your work. Come on, man. Don't, don't fall for that again. Dilemma time over. Okay. You like the well, new bit? Let's just let's just play that jingle one more time. I don't think you've given enough respect. <laughs> Damn, what would you do? I mean, it, it's just you know, you're welcome. I mean, it's, I mean, that's fine. 
It's fine. <laughs> okay, let's let's go back to another question. Um, Tim Landini asks, I'm having serious doubts about what I'm doing. I'm working on a Turkish twist pattern. Is the rule of thumb to create enough twisted steel to just forge weld it to the size you need, or can it be drawn out to the size after the twits, twists are stuck together? Just seems like after the twisting and grinding to square, I'm not going to have enough material to make the knife I was planning on making. Yeah. Mm. This is this is the miracle. It's got you written all yeah, over it. This is a Damascus question. Yeah, this is the problem, or I guess this this is a detail that you need to understand about twists. Is that to get down to the core pattern and to especially for Turkish twists to get the effect like that Turkish twist effect you have to get down to within like the core 30 percent of the of the square stock so imagine you have a, a piece of square stock you're looking at it, at it on edge you have to get rid of a third on the right side and the left side to get down to the desirable pattern and material in the middle and so there is a lot a lot a lot of loss and usually the way these work is you don't you you know you weld up the bars you forge to the profile but you're already like as you're welding up the bars you're already kind of close to profile shape so that all you're doing is basically welding it and then stock removing the blade out of it because again if you forge too close to shape you're not gonna have that effect at all you can still have some interesting effect, but it's going to be more like a, a Viking reversing twist or something like that instead of an actual Turkish twist. And so if you're going to do a Turkish, actually do a Turkish twist, you unfortunately have to lose a ton of material. So when you see these blades by like Julian Antunes or the Derosiers, Adam and Haley Derosiers, they do these Turkish twists a lot. Um, you know, Franco down in uh, Brazil, uh, I think he's in Argentina, Brazil, one of those two, sorry. <laughs> but anyways, they, the part of the mystique that goes into it is just knowing how much work and how much material loss goes into creating these crazy patterns. And it is a lot, it is a lot of material loss. So, um, yeah, so don't try to forge the blade to shape really too much afterward or you can kind of forge it to profile and tune the profile some but for the most part you're gonna have to just stock remove and grind away a shit ton of material and like so that means if you want like a quarter inch thick blade that means your your twists have to be at least around you know <laughs> a half an inch five eighths of an inch so you can grind down and have a quarter of an inch left over in the middle it's 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 the big reason I don't do twist patterns myself. <laughs> well, that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is once you do the twist, a lot of people forge down the twist and you don't realize that there's so many inclusions in there. You have to get rid of all that material. Right. You know, it's just such a, such a huge loss because, I mean, I remember when I did it with, uh, we did it with uh, Aaron Wilburn. Sure. We've twisted and twisted and twisted and we forged on the twist. Man, my God, I had to grind so much off to get to anywhere yeah. I could actually use. You know, because there's all inclusions. The first, you know, all the layers were all conclusions. There's like hardly anything left. And he right. said to me, "You're gonna, have, you, you're not, you're only gonna make like a, you know, a small knife out of this because you're gonna have to take so much material away." That is exactly it. There you go. This next one. Who's gonna take the next? I got one? it. This one's from M Mount Maker, or M M T Maker. 
whatever. Uh, <laughs> recently been making more knives and getting more interest from my, fo from my followers. However, a few have brought up making fillet knives. Where would you even start with the metal? I've ordered knife, uh, a knife engineering, but until then, what should I do? Mm, interesting question. Something that I'll be, uh, exploring myself over the next few weeks. Um, yeah, I haven't done it yet, and I know they need to be thin and a bit bendy, and obviously some you know some of the bendiness will come through just how thin the blade is. Um, but obviously a heat treat is going to be pretty important with this one. And I know Jeff, you've done a few, haven't you? Yeah. So any tips there? Well, for I us? mean, I think that's the. I mean, that the cross section is the most important. It's it's the the uh, well, not the most important. It's one factor: the heat treatment, the steel you're using, and then you know the cross section because i only made mm. boning knives for a long time and then i started fooling around with making them thinner and thinner and i started to realize how much thinner the thinner the cross section was you know meaning from the uh, the spine to the edge and that triangle of the bevels the more flexibility i was getting so i started to make more fillet knives flexible fillet knives based on the steel that i was using and the heat treatment i was using and the temper i was using and then the the uh, how thin I was going, and then making sure that it was a very very tight that angle between the blade and the spine was a very very tight triangle, and then I was mm -hmm. getting much more flexibility. Okay. What else you want to say? That's about That's it. I think. Get yourself some. <laughs> I mean, uh... anything to add, Morocco? Nope. Nope. Fair enough. Okay. Philip Hyden, I think, is the uh, oh Philly Fyden, one of them. <laughs> Philip Fyden's pretty um, good. Philly Fiden, we, yeah, let's say Philly Fiden. When and if you run out of or don't own ferric chloride and want to wet your test etch, a pattern welded piece of steel, is there a substitute if you can't find any at home? No, a substitute so for at home. So if, you, if, you're, if you're out of ferric chloride, what do you, can you use anything from home? Yeah, that's oh, what okay. I'm saying. Yes, Sorry, yeah. Sorry okay. I apologize. Okay. I apologize. Um, so yeah, substitute for ferric chloride. Um, he has somewhat successfully used lemon juice with water. Um, do you have any experience of any household remedies like lemon juice for etching? I know uh, you have a lot to do, but it would be cool if you could test etch in lemon juice water to see the difference. Well, 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 well. so this guy, <laughs> wait there. So he wants us to, to do some test etching in lemon yeah, juice we don't and, do tell, and tell him what yeah. happened. I, I, I got to do a... <laughs> we don't, we don't, I got to do an episode do of Jackass that. where I get bit by... You know what you should do? Hornets. You know what you should do? Yeah. No. Yeah. You should do this experiment yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. He's a good listener. He's a, you know, he just wants to know if uh, we would be willing to do the work for him. And the answer is no. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it for five minutes and that's about it. I'm not... I think I think he's joking, but the the main sort of part of the question, I suppose, is um, at home sort of alternatives to ferric chloride if you can't get hold of any. Sure. Uh, uh, vinegar. We've mentioned vinegar. Yeah, I, I've heard of people yeah. using uh, heated lemon juice to, especially for like bringing out hormones or something like that. I don't know about actually etching um, steel though. The instant coffee definitely will etch steel. It's a much slower process, um, but you know, over you know, possibly two or even three days to get to the same kind of depth you would with ferric chloride. Um, but it'll definitely etch your steel for sure. Um, and obviously, and that's an that's in a cold etch. The hotter the etch, the more aggressively it'll it'll work. But it still takes a long time. 
But if you didn't want to mess with ferric chloride, instant coffee would be a, a good alternative for an at-home remedy. Cold, mm. cold vinegar works too. I actually tried oh, yeah? it out on a. Uh, I was uh, doing a uh, restoring a cleaver, and it you could see the bit. You could see the bit barely, and I just used. Uh, I had a a bucket of vinegar, and then I would just I'd keep it in there, and I'd check it every so often, and I would scrub it with uh, every so often just to see if make sure that nothing was you know oxides or you know carbon or any schmutz or anything, and then I would leave it for the day and then I, before i went home at night i'd take it out and uh clean it off and then the next day and i did it for four days and i definitely got an etch from cold vinegar like i got like you could feel the you could feel the difference mm. between the sure. um the uh where the bit was and where the uh, the rest of the steel was you could for sure you could see it and you could feel it but it was like you said it was a few days and it was cold vinegar i didn't fuck around with heating up vinegar when i making pickles yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know you use vinegar, um, sorry, lemon juice in your hair in the summer, don't you, Jeff, to get that that blonde streak? That What's blonde with, streak? So, so I was just, I was just wondering. What are you talking okay. about? <laughs> are you gray, are you, what are you talking about? You mean my gray hair? Are you talking about my gray hair? That's natural. Well, well, That's I, natural. I was, yeah, it was That's more a about, natural more edge. Yeah, it's a natural whatever. edge. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Tell us about your grinder, Jeff. Oh. I just got off the phone with Vince and Ryan over at Broadbeck Ironworks. Those boys call me, and we have a nice conversation all the time. Broadbeck Ironworks Grinder is a 2x72 grinder for knife makers by knife makers, and it's incredibly versatile and intuitive. Got a long platen and a great, very adjustable work rest. Um, it pivots from horizontal to vertical and lots of attachments, including some new ones that I'm getting sent a couple. Uh, we're going to have, they're going to have some new attachments that are going to be very, very exciting. I want to talk to them about them. I can't really talk about, I want to talk about them, but I'm not supposed to, but, uh, there are, they're great guys. You should definitely follow them on Instagram, Broadbeck Ironworks, um, on Instagram. And if you buy a knife, uh, a grinder from them, put in knife talk 10, you get 10% off. Um, they're not everything. The, sh the shipping is included. Uh, they're very versatile, and any questions that you have, they are happy to answer. These guys are into this. Ryan and Vince are into this for you. They're not going to hard sell you. They'll tell you how how to do it. And um, I love my Broadbeck Ironworks grinder. I know you guys have something. Both of you got something from Broadbeck or getting something. And uh, we're I'm on board with those guys. They're they're just they're great. And the people who support who are involved with Broadbeck Ironworks, Jason Knight and and um, uh, Jay Nielsen, and these guys stand behind this product. These guys are good dudes, and I stand behind this guy. These guys, I'm I'm a Broadbeck guy. I love it. I love it. Can we get one cheap? Can we get one I cheap? mean, how much cheaper do you want? Knife Talk Ten gives you ten percent off, and, and then uh, I said that already. God damn you! And then the oh, all okay, the sorry. all the attachments that are coming through. I when I was talking to Vince and and Ryan, he they were saying they wanted to make a grinder for a guy in a small shop that felt like you had a big shop, so you can really get a lot out of it, especially with their attachments. Their attachments are really really intuitive. So I'm psyched about those guys, and so should you be. Cool. Cool. You just mentioned Jason Knight. Actually, did you see um, one of his stories and with Steve Schwartz, where they um, where they're doing a uh, a podcast together? Uh there. I guess Jason has a podcast called The Edge of Night, and he interviewed the great Steve Schwarzer, who's uh, just an yeah. awesome dude. So I haven't listened to it yet, though. But they're they're good buddies. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's video as well by the looks of things. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Jason's a good dude, man. He's a very, very positive spirit. And Steve Schwarzer, I mean, you can't get much better than that. Yeah, yeah. So so we've had, if you haven't heard an interview with him, we, we interviewed him probably about two or three months ago now. It was it was just before sort of lockdown started. I think it was. Well, then it was um, then it was like five months ago because lockdown started like five, four geez, or five months ago. Long. Jesus Christ! We had it. We got tested going? positive four months ago. Wowzers! Jeez, Jesus, I that was you, four I, months ago. Just like yeah, my wife yeah. was whew, tested positive the first yeah. the first week of October of, October of April. We we talk about that all the time. We do a, like a little timeline. Jeez. Four months. Craziness. The whole world is just, yeah. It's like pause was hit, and it, before you know it, months and months are over. Yeah. Okay, let's, I'll, I'll do the next question. If you guys want to look down the list and pick out an interesting question, and then we'll move on after that. The next one is from Bowden Knives. <laughs> it's Bad Omen. Bad Omen. <laughs> bad, bad Omen. Bad, bad Omen Knives. A bad Omen. Bad Omen Knives. Uh, it's really small writing. How important <laughs> do you feel about the way aesthetically you package box your knives and do you think it contributes to the overall experience of the knife buy-in for your customers i do i do i've worked really hard on packaging for the last probably three years and i've tried various different ways um each time just getting you know a little bit better each time each time um and this time um i'm sticking with i've committed to like a massive print order of the of these boxes um i think it's massively important because like anything, any other product you buy, you know, you get excited when it comes to the door and the whole opening experience. It it puts something in your mind of the quality of the of the product, even before they have the product. And I think if you're putting time and effort into the design of your packaging, that just shows that you put time and effort into the the design of your of your work too. So for me, I think it's massively important. Um, and you know, we're very lucky now. We've got really good tools that we can all use um, to help with our packaging. Uh, online tools and you know we can buy it in smaller quantities for you know custom packaging so yeah do some googling there's, there's plenty of options out there but i think yeah i think it's really important that we're not just wrapping up a newspaper and sticking them in the post um, well well is that what you do Jeff? that's my weakest that's my my the weakest thing about this my whole business is the packaging i've never been able to find something that i really really love and mm. i kind of like that's my one spot where it's fine. Part of it's also the I, the Kydex sheets are part of the packaging, and I got ribbons and stuff. Yeah. But it's very along the lines of it's not my favorite. It's my least favorite part of the experience because I give so mm. much different parts, like lots of emails and pictures and progress report pictures, and it's it, it, you create this really great thing. That's my one thing that I wish I was better at. But mm. no one's ever bitched to me about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it is one of those things where, you know, packaging is generally going to end up in the bin anyway. Um, so is it is it a waste to do it? Particularly, you know, we're all trying to be more su sustainable as well and that kind of thing. But I think you, you can do packaging sustainably by using products that are um, made from recycled materials. And, you know, once they're done with, they can be fully recycled or even compostable as well afterwards. So, you know, there are ways around it. But um, I don't know, for me, I, I just feel it is quite important. Yeah. And... I mean, I do big runs of knives generally, so the design doesn't change too much, so I can commit to a big run of packaging. But, you know, if you're doing one-offs, you know, real custom stuff, it's going to be different every time, so I can see how that would be difficult. 
Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it just takes some creative thought really to, to come up with a way. For sure. And I've seen, I've, I've had knives arrive here, you know, packaged and it can be something as simple as just having, you know, tissue or paper, you know, with your logo on it. And, you know, that's wrapped around the knife first. And then just like a really cheap sticker with your logo on that, that just seals it. And then it's wrapped up in a shipping box or whatever. And, and I think that makes a huge, it just shows a bit of effort has gone into, into the packaging. Yes. And whereas I've had, I've received some that have just been rattling around in a box, you know, you just think, oh, well, Jesus, that's, 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 that's a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a little bit of thought, it doesn't have to cost much. Um, but, you know, the main thing you want to do is, is protect the knives in shipping. So, yeah, just be a bit creative. And there are ways. Yeah. I've been listening to Seth Godin a lot lately, uh, who is like a, a marketing mm. branding kind of guy. He He's written quite a yeah. few books. I really love his books. If anybody's looking for an audiobook, just pull up basically anything Seth Godin's written. It's all pretty good information. But one of the biggest things he talks about is that in our marketing branding, uh, it, I mean, it's all storytelling. And um, yeah. and so th the I think the unboxing experience like, is, is part of a kind of a continuation of that story that you've either been telling verbally or uh, non-verbally through... Uh, your videos and posts and stuff, or even like Jeff with his emails, um, you, you know, it, keeping them up to date and helping continue that narrative into that experience to when they finally have that thing in their hand, um, I think is really valuable. I myself feel like my packaging game has been pretty damn weak this whole time. I would really like to change it in a big way, uh, but it's a matter of, you know, uh, all this design and everything that Craig's been going through, it's a lot of work. And so it's figuring out what is going to be right, um, what's going to be cost effective, what's going to be sustainable. And so in the same way that Craig's looking at it, you know, you don't necessarily... Um, want it to just all go in the garbage and then go into a landfill. I've tried to think. I've been trying to think about how to create packaging in a way that it, you know people can use it as a display in a way if they if they wanted to put it on a shelf or have it on display on their kitchen counter or something like that instead of it just being something that's throwaway. Um, but figuring all that out is has not been my top priority right now. Um, but I would like that to be a part of the overall experience that people have when they when they get my knives and, and, and it adds to that story and it helps kind of accentuate that, that story and that experience for those people. Hmm. What, what, what are you currently doing, uh, Jeff, for your packaging? Uh, well, for safety's sake, I mean, the Kydex sheath was really part of that. Um, by the way, is anyone hearing my stomach? It has been gurgling no. <laughs> for the past 30 minutes. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to hear this guy. My stomach. Is... Yeah, it's like it's called borborygnum. That's what it's called, borborygnum. It's fucking terrible. Um, I use Kydex sheaths, and I have little ribbons coming off of the uh, the eyes, uh, eyelets. And then uh, I have this butcher paper that I love. And then I wrap it in, like, a nice way. But then I'll write something. I'll write a little note and write some stuff, and then um, it fits perfectly in a priority box uh, safely. Like, I, I've I've been in the packaging game for a bit to the point where I, I don't let anything move. So I it, when, it, when it's, it's in, I can shake it around, and there's no, mm -hmm. like, you feel like it's a solid block. You want, when you're putting anything in a box, you don't want it to be, you know, the, the Amazon has figured out a way that they can just be like, well, let's hope it doesn't break. So <laughs> when I put the knife in, it feels and p you know that's the other thing is the different sizes of the priority box another reason why the post office is great is they give you the fucking boxes for free 
So the priority boxes fit differently than the uh, flat rate boxes. So if your knife is longer than 15 inches, uh, it might be too tight in a priority box, but it'll fit nice in those uh, flat rate boxes. But I wrap it up, and then there's I make sure before I seal it up that it's not moving at all. And then, uh, but it, you know, I usually have a little ribbon on it. I have a nice note, and people are just so pumped to open it up. They don't really say this looks like shit. I mean, it's yeah. it's nicely put together, but it's not like you know a box box. Yeah. And I yeah. have gotten knives well, I, from I've other done... knife makers, and they look like you know sweet shit. I mean, really like yeah. <laughs> you know, I've done lots of research on this over the last maybe year um, and using lots of online services and comparing what they do and all the rest. Um, but if you're in the US, I couldn't use them because the shipping was crazy. Um, there's something called Pack Lane, packlane.com. You can go online, you can design your boxes with your own logos, you know, full artwork, wrap around the whole box. Mm. Um, and you can use that, you know, they'll have them so they fit just inside a shipping box perfectly. So that, you know, that's one way to, to get something quite, you know, that's, that's cheap, but that will be, you know, labeled up for you. And, you know, you, you can sort your packaging from then, um, because that, this will be your outer box. Um, if you're in the, if you're in Europe, um, a very similar system is called packhelp.com. And again, you can go online, put on your logo or full artwork and they'll print the whole box for you. Um, but you just need a solution then, as Jeff said, to, to hold that knife so it's not rattling around. Um, and the way I do that is, so I'm, I'm using something called Pacli, which is pack.ly. They're made in Italy. Um, and what I do, it, it's, a, it's a custom sort of two-stage box. Um, I then, I've then got like a gold foiling machine, which I use here to, to sort of stamp in the logo as well. So it's just, it doesn't look printed, so it feels a bit more sort of tactile. Um, and what I do then, I've got like a big really thick compressed card, a recycled compressed card. So it's about six millimeters thick, which is what, quarter of an inch. Um, I've, I've got holes sort of um, drilled in in them so a, a ribbon can go around the back. So then when you put the knife in, you can do it up with two ribbons so the knife doesn't shake around in the box at all. It's all held in. Um, lots of um, recycled paper, which has just been sort of ground up, put on top to give it some padding fill up the box and, and you're done. So it, it, it works really well. But yeah, you just need to be creative. And as I said, you, you can get, a, you know, a basic box printed up there, you know, for pennies. And you don't have to order thousands now. You can you can do this sort of 20, 50, 100 oh, boxes. Wow. Um, and, you know, they're, and they're pennies. So yeah, so if you're in the US, have a look at um, packlane.com. If you're in Europe, look at packhelp.com. Or if you want something even a bit more custom again, look at um, pack.ly, and they're based in Italy, and they'll ship throughout throughout Europe. But they're, they're, there's lots of ideas on this. If you have a look on there, you'll see what other people have done as well. And they're a good, they're a good sort of jumping-off point for custom packaging. That's great. There we go. Um, you guys got any questions at all down the list? Uh, yeah, I got one. I keep going. I keep going. And P.S. Shout out to Tomer Botner, Florentine Kitchen Knives. He, that's about as good as it oh, gets, right best there. Best packaging in the business. Yeah, best packaging in the business. <laughs> Every he's yeah. thought about everything. He uh, that's mm. about as good as it gets. Nice. I so wanted to just do what he was doing because he had it right, and I'm just like, I can't copy. I got very close to copying. Oh, and I, just, I can't. Trust me, <laughs> I, can't. I will get a. I'll get as soon as you get close. I'll get the call. Trust yeah. me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll get the call. To slap and my wrists. I'll get the call. Don't worry. I did speak to him. I said, "Would you mind if I just literally just flat out copied?" And he was like, um, um, "No, I wouldn't mind." And I was like, "Oh yeah, he does mind." And I don't blame him at all. So yeah. Unfortunately, so more away. people copy his shit than anybody. 
His uh, his, yeah. his his knife design is his handles, his beautiful knives. Is he he gets ripped like nobody's business. Yeah, the whole thing, everything he does is designed so 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 beautifully. Well, just to let you know, so he uses he's got cutouts, uh, laser cutouts of the of the of the boxes. So it's like three pieces, mm. and then he's got an instruction page, like is the wrapping paper. And then they wrap it beautifully, and then they put it up uh, put a couple nice little pins for your lapel on there, and then they put it through a uh, shrink wrap, like the way you would, you know, shrink wrap, uh, you know, meat that you're about to freeze or fish yeah, or something. Sous vide, like yeah. And then they, uh, nice. Look at that. look at you, look at you. You're so high highbrow. So then they, so then they, then they, and then they can go into a. I guess he uses DHL boxes, so it's like it's not even a box. I mean, it's so well prepared, and it's perfect for if you're flying. I'm doing an ad for him already, but Florentine, they got it down. <laughs> Everything they do, they got it. They get it down perfectly. So Tomer, you've got to get him out. on full blast. You, I'm going to get him on. I'm going to get him on. I'm going to get him on. I'm going to listen. You have no idea how many people I have to get. I'm, I'm like I'm booked through whatever. It's it, I, I'm going to get him on. I'm going to get him on. Trust me. I'm going to get Mareko on. I'm going to get Adam. Adam from Built Sharp's been breaking my balls. I got to get him on. Chris Cash had to dump Chris Cash for a week, and I'm going to get him back on. I got. Jonathan Porter next week, and then Cliff Dufton, and I got a, Steve House. I got a pile of people. Nice. There you go. Full Blast okay. Podcast on the Make cool. Green Network. All right. <laughs> I, Sorry, Mareko, you had a question. No, I, I have a question from Matt Malakote. I think I said that right. <laughs> Sounds good. He says, uh, so not knife related, but I have to know what audio equipment you guys use. I know Craig will go over all this in his new podcast, but I'm dying to know. My wife is. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing at me going over this in my new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My wife is starting a podcast for working moms and your audio is the best out there. Thanks so much. Keep it up, fellas. Sorry if the question is out of line to ask here. So he's asking about the audio equipment. Craig, you want to go off on it? Let's hear it. Yeah, we yeah we've basically we we the three of us use the same mics. Um, they are um, Rode Pod mics. Um, uh, we use because we're not in the same place, so we record remotely. So we use something called Squadcast, um, and what that does is it'll record our own audio. Locally, so to record to our own computers the audio, so we don't get that sort of garbled over the internet audio. You know that you know it all breaks up and goes horrible. So that's what we hear. We hear each other that way. Um, but then I get each of our tracks, which have been recorded on our own computers, um, over to my desktop, so then I can edit them together. Um, and it it just works out really well. So um, for the jingles and things like that, I use a uh, Rode Rode. What's it called? A roadcaster, which is like a mixing desk, um, that helps me with the editing then as well. It's just yeah, it just it just works quite easy. But um, Squadcast, I'm a, I'm a big fan of because it just makes things easy for us. So you know, the three of us can hear each other perfectly, and as soon as we finish the the, the podcast, it'll automatically send over the audio from the other guys, as I say, which is local to them, which isn't you know over the internet. Yeah. So, so that's it, and all you need really is some good headphones, um, because what you don't want is to hear the sort of bleed from each other speaking in each other's mics, because then you'll get this terrible sort of echoing. Um, and aside from that, I just put everything into into GarageBand, um, where I have a, a preset for each of us, because each of our voices are slightly different with regards to range and dynamic frequencies, that kind of thing. So there's just a bit of an EQ set for each of us, 
and and hopefully it works um yeah hopefully it works and we work we record in very different sort of environments so jeff is in a his truck for example i'm in a little sort of studio setup here and Mareko is in a he's in a freezer believe it or not he's he's got a a special room which he's using to record in um, which was an old um, walk-in freezer kind of thing so you just need somewhere where you're isolated from other noise um, and Jeff has talked about before in the past of having a sort of room within a room so you've got that you know those two layers of of removal from the outside world um and that's it it's as simple as that really um yeah, no real magic involved at all. Well, there is a little real magic if this guy really wants his wife to rip us off. One thing is, is <laughs> when you're <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. Obviously, I'm kidding. One thing is, is and we have to deal with it when we get guests. And now that I'm doing full blast, I'm constantly having to prepare my the people listening. If you use your computer with the built-in microphone, and the built-in headphones, it usually sounds bad. But what happens is, especially with Squadcast, you have to change the settings so that mm. it knows which microphone and which headset it's using. Because otherwise, I'm talking like this, I hear you guys and everything like that, and I don't realize that it's recording off of the speaker from the, car, from the computer speak, the computer mic. And it'll, I'll call Craig and I'll say, God damn, I sounded terrible. Why was that? And he goes, well, you didn't hit the connection that you're using the road mic and you're using the, the, the computer mic. There are the little things like that that make a difference. But I, I'm glad you mentioned that about the headphones because I was getting that when I was talking to Quentin Middleton. I, could, I, had this, I could hear myself an, an echo and it was because he had his earphones on too high and I could hear mm. the recording of me coming out of his speaker into mine. So that's, you got, it's a lot of fucking work honestly and yeah. you can't just do it off your phone you can't you have to that was the reason why i couldn't have chris <clears throat> cash on because he's okay. he does uh what is it the axe and iron podcast on on uh, on ipads can't do that with Squadcast. Mm. and the main thing for us is that we have a dedicated space where we can do it so we can just sort of we can be ready to go in 10 minutes but it's like when you have a guest on you need to check as i say that you know they've got they've got a mic and they've got headphones mm. and and they can use you know squadcast which requires chrome on a laptop or on a computer not on a phone so there's all these sort of moving parts but once you've got a system dialed in you, you should be good to go you really should be good to go and you know again the main thing is having a, a very good connection because if, if your connection is dropping out and that kind of thing it just it just makes things makes things difficult and um between the three of us here um you know we all have shows where we drop out but the good thing about squad it sounds like an ad for squadcast it's not but the good thing about <laughs> squadcast is it'll just carry on recording so you know you guys might not know that occasionally Mareka will drop out and he'll dial back in and it's it's sort of seamless for everybody um so yeah so if you know if you're having a show where you're gonna have a lot of guests just consider that the the audio quality will suffer and we find that when we have guests on this show as well um that you know you want to try and match the voices as much as possible and it's good to have so, yeah. friends who are critical because i was when i was interviewing jesse savage on the on the on full blast he was clicking his pen and i could hear it but i didn't want to say anything I got a call from John Ariani saying, what the fuck is with the fucking pen? Who's clicking the pen? You, all that stuff you hear. Like we have had so many episodes where somebody's doing something and we don't realize it. You know, maybe someone's breathing in too deep or maybe someone's whatever, or, you know, my stomach has been growling this whole time. I'm convinced you can hear it. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things that you just have to like, you have to just get better at it. 
So good luck to your wife. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, once you got a system set up, you're good to go. And you have to, to pay. So and you need you need some sort of service to host right. your podcast. Exactly. Yes. Yes. There's bandwidth involved and all that kind of thing. So yeah, the, 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 you know, if you just Google, you know, podcast providers, there's there's plenty there, and they what they'll do, they'll farm it out then to you know Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those things for you. So yeah, plenty of software out there, but it it doesn't necessarily come cheap. Um, except Squadcast again, you know, there's costs involved with everything. But um, you know, if it's something you're into, get into it. It's uh. Don't expect, you know, after three shows that you can have tens of thousands of listeners. Um, it, it just doesn't happen that way. It just builds slowly and slowly and slowly, and you just need that consistency to build an audience in your way. Or that you'll have Starbucks ads. Oh, <gasps> Starbucks ads. That was some high level right there. <laughs> I was, yeah, the, the last week was the first. <laughs> I want to, now that we're talking about it, I want to congratulate the Knife Talk and the Makery Network for finally getting real ads. And I want to congratulate Craig for sticking uh, our regional ad for Starbucks. It was Amex somewhere else, and it was somewhere else right before the semen joke. That uh, our semen joke. <laughs> yeah. If 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 Starbucks knew that we were about to do a semen joke, I don't necessarily think that would be our first episode that they would have been putting it in. And it was literally like five seconds before he mentioned, "Have you got semen in your jaw?" <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Have your plant based <laughs> breakfast sausage from Starbucks? Yeah. I put semen in my jaw. <laughs> <laughs> So please don't complain to us about the ads that you get, because I don't know what these ads are going to be. It's all dynamically done, so it, the whole idea is that you'll get ads that are relevant to you. So we know some ads, some of our listeners had Starbucks ads, some had American Express ads, and there's all different types of ads. So basically, it'll be based on your browsing history in the past. So yeah, it's nothing to do with me if you're served a an ad for whatever it may dick be. Dick pills. No dick pills. Dick no pills. dick pills yet. <laughs> exactly, <man>. yeah. <laughs> you need to consider what you've been Googling if that's oh, the is case. Is that what, how it works? Oh. It is, it is. So you'll find the next question, Jeff, and I'll tell everybody about the sandpaper that we use, which is made by Indasa USA, and it's Rhino Wet, the best sandpaper in the business, particularly if you're making knives, because you want something that's aggressive. That's exactly what Rhino Wet is. They do grits right from sort of 3,000, you know, down to, you know, sort of 36, I think they do. Um, the best stuff. It saves you time and it saves you money. So, yeah, Rhino Wet from Indasa. That's the sandpaper you need to be using. And you can get that from Texas Farrier Supply, texasfarriersupply.com. And they do a bunch of other knife making stuff as well. They've got a whole section on the website for, for knife makers. So go take a look. Um, they, they stock Rhino Wet in all the grits. They've always got it. So go take a look. TexasFarrowSupply.com. And if you use KnifeTalk.10, you'll get 10% Not off dot the .10. KnifeTalk10. Ni- <laughs> Gee, I'm talking too much. KnifeTalk10 on at TexasFarrowSupply.com. You'll get 10% off I'd your I'd like order. to just make a few Texas Farrow Supply. I talked to Evan this week. They just yeah. changed their website, and the reason why is because they had a problem with their other guy, and they had a problem with their emails, and there's a problem with the shipping. They're working it all out, so the shipping cost is appropriate. I know that I, I, for some reason you guys think that I'm customer service with all these companies, which is annoying. I'm supposed to be the most acerbic one of all three of us, but for some reason you guys think that I'm going to do something about it. They're aware of the problems. Give them a call. You can also DM them on Instagram if you have any questions. It's definitely worth sticking with them. The other thing is when you're buying the RhinoWet, they're working on changing it, but you have to you have to write in, you have to buy it by the sheet. 
obviously there are 50 sheets per a sleeve. So if you need a sleeve of Rhinoet, put in 50. They're working on it. They're working on all these things, and you can also get a hold of them, and uh, they'll get you all squared away. But they're great guys. Evan is an awesome guy. Texas Ferry Supply is great, and keep with them. They're working on all these projects. They're working out all these little glitches that they're going to make it much better for you. Cool. Keep me out of it. Cool. Keep me out of it. Please. <laughs> so have you got any, any of the questions um, striking a chord with you? Yes. Roger? Bad Omen Knives asks again, this is a good one, uh, to be actually knifey. Uh, don't, uh, don't know if I've heard this question asked, but, uh, here it is. Um, does it matter when you're heat treating a blade to have the blade edge up, edge down or flat, uh, in preparation for the quench geared, this is geared towards, he's using a lot of 10 series steel. So why do we have it? So the steel is edge up in the, in the oven or whatever. Um, I don't. I have edge down, but I don't do any um, grinding before heat treats, so it's probably maybe a bit different for me. Um, the whole idea for that for me is edge down as I pick it up out the oven to quench into oil. I'm not doing any crazy flipping with my wrists, you know? Um, crazy flipping in the yeah. wrists. One thing. It's not like you're like throwing it's it in the air. Like a... Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> crazy flips. Turning it up is a crazy flip? Well, you know, it's just a, it's just one motion for yeah. me. It's just out and in. There you go. Oh, is that right? It, you know, oh, if you're turning it, you've got yeah. that sort of that that sort of turn it out and in. What's it? Torsional? Is it torsional? Where you, you twist the twisting rotation? Sounds pretty sexy. You should put the we should put the French one, music. One side. Yes. You missed the the French music. <laughs> possibly one side could maybe get cooler quicker because it's hitting more air as you're turning. I don't know, but um, personally, I always put edge down, but. The caveat to that is I don't grind beforehand, so maybe it makes not too much of a difference. Mm. Which way do you guys do it, and why? I mean, if I <laughs> if I was doing a horizontal tank, it sounds like that's what you're doing. Uh, I would definitely go edge down uh, as well, um, huh. because that is to me that would be the most important part of the blade to get hard. And if for some reason there's mm. an issue yeah. with uh, losing heat between the kiln and the quench or whatever, at least that edge got hard. Now, I have a vertical tank. It's a, I think it's like a 5x5 five five or 6x6 six six square tube. Um, actually, sorry, it's a 4x4. Four four. <laughs> Anyways, uh, square tube with a bottom, and I actually I just quench tip first, and I submerge. Right. Uh, the I thrust the entire blade into the oil and the hot oil, and it smokes out and everything. But... Um, but I think the the idea, one of the things he says too is like, do you do one side or the other side instead of the edges or spine? And I, I think you do definitely do not want to do like a, the right side of the face or the left side of the face because the the way the steel, like the crystal crystals start to form uh, are in relation in, in as to what part of the blade starts cooling first. And if you're quenching from the right face to the left face, like submerging it kind of flat in a way, that's going to do some wonky shit to your knife. And I, I would definitely advise against that. Um, but th those were my approaches to quenching. Jeff, what are you doing then? Are you putting the edge up, the sharp edge up? Or... <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I mean, most of my... when I If I forge a knife and then um, I do pre-grind it i always do edge up i just assume do it i was always under the impression to do edge up so i always do edge up and then uh with the stock removal stuff i'm just like you i'm using much thinner material so i'm not really 
I keep, just out of habit, I keep everything edge up, but uh, that makes a lot of sense. So what you guys are saying. So yeah, and if there's any primary grinding being done too, and you're pulling it out of the kiln, you know the thinner cross section is also going to be one of the first areas to lose temperature. Um, and that, I think that's that would be another reason to want to try to get the edge in first before the spine, because the spine's not going to lose temperature. Uh, if you've done some grinding, it's going to mm -hmm. be thicker. It's going to hold that temperature a little better. Um, but yeah. And you can get those little uh, trays to hold them up. You know, it's like a little, uh, I guess it's a wire brick tray with the little dowels that you put in there to hold them up. You can get them at mm -hmm. even heat. I break those. I break those little dowels all the time every time i got i'm, I'm like <laughs> i have and they're cheap and you can get them at even heat but it's like I, I actually ordered a pile of extras because i'm just like breaking them left and right <laughs> what are you doing i've never broken one what, what are you doing to them i mean they're i'm taking them out or I'm pulling them in or i'm taking them out or He's they, hit, the they hit the ground or i'm He's flipping them around <laughs> i mean i they <laughs> yeah. just like you know I, yeah. no one's ever re re referred to me as being uh you know gentle I, I i have a i have a heavy hand i have a heavy hand in those little dowels and i know our listeners are saying i me too my break them all the time that's why they sell replacement packs of those little guys what do you want from me i'm going to tell the go. truth or you want to be lie oh i was just wondering why they'd break i, I, I fucking break yeah, them all the time i am never come close well to them. you're clearly more gentle than i am <laughs> that's it i'm a Damn fucking mess hands. that's what it is what Delicate hands. Yeah, yeah. Delicate hands. Yeah. That's all yeah, it you, is. You the delicate hands. So we're coming up to two hours already. Get the fuck out. Of, let's crazy. get the fuck out of here. I know. <laughs> or, or do a beef or do. Some... <sighs> Quickly, twenty seconds each. What are we looking forward to this week? Jeff, you go first. I'm actually about to go out to the North Fork of Long Island and pick up some uh, burls, cherry burls from my partner Tony, and he is planning on taking me to get a lobster roll. That will be great. Ooh, nice. And then, uh, nice. and then uh, I'm looking forward to the bee, the uh, hornet extraction. I'm going to watch from a distance. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. So twenty seconds. There you go. What have you got, Marika? I'm looking forward to this sheath coming back and working perfectly and having no problem getting another finish, uh, another nice dark matte finish on this blade, getting that mailed out, as well as the handle sculpting on this one-of-a-kind <laughs> handle uh, going very smoothly and no mistakes. Don't use the UPS. I mean, USPS. You might want to look at your... You know, I know you use FedEx. You might want to stick with FedEx. Mm. Shit's taking a long time. Mm -hmm. Careful, everybody. So this week, I'm doing some product research. So I've been working on a camp knife for a while now. I've got a few different versions of it. Um, and I've convinced my wife to come camping with me in our woods this, this week. So we've got our... Um, Amy's mum is over, so she's going to look after the babies overnight. And we're going to go sort of wild camping in our woods yeah. for the first time. I, I I was too chicken to go on my own, so I've got to keep my wife with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to it, and I've got a bunch of these camp knives that I've made, and um, the idea is, yeah, we'll sort of throw them at trees, and we'll do all sorts of things with them and, and leave them out overnight and, and see see which we think is the best. Yeah, will there be videos? There might, well, may, I mean, may, I, may well be. I mean, the, the throwing the knife in the tree videos. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking for... 
I wasn't trying to get any. I wasn't trying Jesus to make. Christ. I wasn't trying to make. Why is that the most obvious thing we think of when somebody said, "Will there be videos?" Why do we all can go I, there? Because Jesus. here's the reason why. We're supposed to be a little bit controversial. This has got to be a little. We got to keep people's minds right. We can't just talk about goddamn plunge lines. It's it's you have to. There's got to be a balance between you know fun stuff and fucking around. And being twelve-year-old boys. Fine, again. whatever it takes. Look, last week was like all systems go. You know, it was time we were fooling around a little bit. It's fine. You know? All good. All good. But that's a show. That's that's one hour and 54 minutes of solid radio gold. So we shall speak to you again next Monday. Remember, if you've got any questions for us, you can send them through Contact to us. Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. That easy. We shall speak to you next week. Bye for now. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.